You're listening to Red Nation Online. Sunday, July 30th. It's Steve Perry. I'm Ian Clark. We're back from BMO Field, and what a day. Beautiful sunshine, comfortable shade, goals abound, and witnessing the best DP in league history. Yeah, that's right. Toronto FC put NYCFC in their place and make a statement of their intent, as well as the notion that David Villa is the best designated player in league history. It was another great matchup and a short-lived rivalry that did not disappoint the home fans, as the Reds eventually overwhelmed New York 4-0. It was the Jovinko show as he racked up goals and assists, set records, and separated himself from the competition of marquee signings. But it was a team effort, and we look at a great defensive display that was highlighted by the outstanding play of Raheem Edwards. We discuss the debate of Jovinko versus David Villa and go over Toronto's place in the table and what's ahead through the month of August. It's all that and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Statement. That's what I'm thinking. That was the thing that I thought when, when this game wrapped up. I felt like, I mean, there are there have been a couple of them, maybe this year, in terms of performances. But I kind of felt like this was a statement game that you can you can put under that category. Yeah, uh, sure. In terms of the type of opposition, the time of the year, the time of the day, a lot of different factors. Um, I thought came together this afternoon and with a scoreline like that, an emphatic four 0 victory over NYCFC. A, sh- a short term, but I think pretty legitimate rival for our team. I, this, you know, especially coming off, I think, it, and also I would say in comparison to last weekend, I, I left the stadium this time as happy as I've been in a couple weeks, anyways, and it was probably at least a month. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, I thought off it was, the hop. I thought it was one of the best games I've ever seen. I thought it was a game deep with strategy. I thought, uh, in some ways. Uh, you had to watch every little play because there was there was just this sort of chess masters at play um, as people were making moves and it was a fantastic game to watch I just thought there was uh, at some point I thought you you made a comment to me earlier that about how is the 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 game is going to be won by the person the team that makes is able to pull out the perfect play so we were watching them both teams come back battle back and forth it was uh, pretty exciting at least uh for the first two-thirds of the game anyway and then i think it, it pretty much unraveled uh at that point um after we got the at the 66 minute when we got the second goal and they started subbing out some of their stars it was the game was pretty much oh it was then it was just like showtime really yeah it's a fantastic game if you're a toronto sc fan for sure yeah and i think uh <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I want to tip your hand too much, but I mean, I tip our hand of discussions to come. But I mean, New York FC, NYC FC, like I said, over the, the three seasons they've been around have, has really developed into a, you know, a rivalry where there's been a lot of back and forth and ebb and flows with the matches we've had against them. You know, well, as, well, as we all know, they're the first team that really was able to disrupt Jovinko and, and stop the Jovinko train back in 2015. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, they, we went yeah, back. Yeah, completely and, neutralized him. I remember that game. But he's also played some of his best games against, against this team. And, and especially I, I, the game that I was thinking back, I mean, we just played them. But Jovinko got subbed out due to injury was that playoff series we had against them. And especially the game in New York where he scored the hat trick and just looked phenomenal. Yeah, you know, really, really catapulted us into that into that semifinal game against Montreal. And, w- and when you see the uh, the matchups against MVPs, you you kind of start to wonder about some of the stuff that's being written about David Villa and whether it's just really blowing smoke up this guy's ass. Because it's like, are you kidding? How can you leave Javinko out of this picture? Javinko is really, if you match him up, I mean, he's like a selfless player. He's uh, setting people up. I mean, tonight he had a hand in every goal, even the even the even the thing that was the penalty that was called. I, that you know that came from a pass through him through him to from from him to Altador, right? And I, I just it's kind of mind-boggling that they're saying that David Villa is the the best MVP that uh, this league has seen, or the best DP, the, the best DP designated it's, player. It seems ridiculous. It's absurd. I want I want to just we will I want to delve into that, but I don't I think I want to get to it sort of when we start talking about Jovinko's goals because I think then there's there's a connection there. But I do think that this is like a you can. I mean, going into this game ahead of time, they're, I mean, Toronto, uh, New York's team is stacked, you know. they got Maxi Morales, they've got uh, David and, Andres, and Andreas Pirlo, right? They're one of the best midfielders in the game. So, uh, I, granted, he's, you know, he's jogging now. He's not really running so much, but he was still a major factor in intercepting a bunch of things. And, you know, luckily for us, he got subbed out at the two-thirds mark because, well, I mean, I don't think he had much more in him. I don't know if he was dangerous today, but I feel like, you know, the game was pretty much a cat and mouse game up until then, right? <laughs> it unraveled after, I don't know. Well, let's let's kick this game off. Let's get into it. Let's get into this because of the thing I think I would, as we've sort of can we talk about the, can we talk about the lineups maybe? Yeah, can of course. It? But I, w- I also just say queuing up. You just talked about the stars of NYCFC, and the other thing I want to say is, you know, a Sunday afternoon, a perfect well, day. This is I would these say are, these are my pregame. Going into this, those yeah. are my pregame thoughts of thinking about that stacked lineup and going, man, how are we going to make out against yeah. this? Because, you know, we, I mean, sure, we have DPs too, and they're pretty good. Uh, they've just come off the Gold Cup. They might be tired. I was thinking of, like, all the, you know, I was just worried about all these different things, right? Being a Toronto fan, you kind of worry about all these things. And then, uh, you know, not not really comparing them 1v1. I'm thinking, like, you know, these are international stars. These guys are stars in Europe, right? Uh, and South America. Well, I guess Maxi Morales played in Europe. So, anyway, thinking these are stars in Europe and our stars are really North American stars, right? Yeah. So, there's always, like, a concern about that, that not being as good, right? That's yeah. That's sort of how this league is seen, right? It's not as good as those leagues not always the case. Not always the case. Not sure. always the case. And uh, yeah, like when we, when we look at these, the other thing I just wanted to say off the hop is like, it's not every, you know, we're always interested in the opponents, but I think it's, it isn't all the time that you get a matchup at points in the season where you can be like, this is a marquee matchup. These are two teams that are sort of at the top, jostling and jockeying for those top positions where this game means something. You know, we obviously we talk. Yeah, it's we, the th- battle of the East, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's like, you kind of want to, you kind of want to make that like I said, make that statement against this kind of opponent because you know you might meet them again, and it's also like a you know planting a psychological seed that if we meet New York again in the in the playoffs, hey, we know we can go into your stadium and at least come away with a draw. And when you come to our stadium, we're gonna hand you your ass. The, the, Although last season we went to their stadium and won five yeah. 0 But the, the the statement also suggests that it's not a it's not a matchup of of stars. It's a matchup of a team, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's a team that wins, not a. Not this, not the single best players, right? Yeah. So 
or MVP. Depend, depends on how you play. Yes. Um, so if we look at, you know, again, what we've mentioned, or where you, we're starting to get into is what, what went out there for Toronto and maybe some changes from last week, obviously, because Colorado, one of the bottom teams, and now New York, one of the better teams. We saw uh, Bono start in net. We've seen the same. The, it looks like, obviously, the, the key defensive or the that center of our defense is going to be more in the middle of Mavinga and Zavaleta. Morrow back from Gold Cup. And uh, Aless, the he, I think he's a center back by trade, but they put him on the right side because Bateshore's still out. I guess <coughs> Endo wasn't an option, and this is what we had to go with. He got injured early in mm-hmm. the 15th minute, so he, we didn't really see much from him. I mean... Uh, one one okay overlap, right? Where he almost yeah. had a shot. He, I think he had a shot on goal or tried to cross it in. Yeah, and that was it. That was his afternoon after that. Yeah, because I think he got cut or something, right? Yeah, so he had to go from an injury. Anyway, he was he was, and there was another new player that we had. I don't think he was on the bench though. But uh, but we were hearing about some other player that was also traded to us or we acquired. Anyway, we didn't get to see that either, but we did see quite a few injuries on the back line uh, throughout the game. So Mavinga going down a couple of times at the end, and Delgado going down, and I just—I uh, mean, it was a hot—it was a hot day. And anyway, we should get back into the lineup because there was because we also noticed that there was uh, some players from the U.S. team that were back. Right? Well, yeah, Delgado, of course, so. Bradley was back. Delgado was stayed in his position in the midfield. Bradley Vasquez, who's been there all through the Mor- season. Moro. Yep. Uh, Moro, yep, at left back. And Altidore, right? And then you have Jovinko and Altidore, which is, I mean, really, this is the lineup, except for obviously the right back situation that we, I think if we were saying, hey, what's our best starting 11, this is almost pretty much it. Yep. Um, and you can maybe argue, maybe depending on you might switch one or two guys out of there, but this was pretty much it. So, so you know, being uh, able to field all our players, and this suggests that uh, we came to play. Yeah. And, and I, I guess you got to almost give your hats off to uh, Moro, Bradley, and Altador, who were coming three days off of you know inter, uh, international or a tournament in the U.S. where that would have been a pretty strenuous schedule. Yeah. And they went they went right back in it. And honestly, I mean, except for if you if Moro hadn't gone down, you might not have noticed that. Like if I, no one had said they were just they played Jamaica in a Cup final three days ago. Yeah. In terms of Altador and Bradley, for sure. I mean, they put in a good shift. And Bradley obviously played the entire game. Yep. So that was like that's that was something of note, but also of note, Altador and Moro didn't, right? <laughs> yeah. So one who gets subbed out and one who gets taken out from injury. Yeah, true enough. And Steve, as you had mentioned, uh, sort of in the intro, what this kind of game was and what we saw, you know, initially in the opening, I guess, thirty minutes of this game, was a a, a real sort of like back and forth, almost defensive battle between them in terms of like who was gonna hold who was gonna it, sort of line. break yeah hold the line and who was gonna break it open yeah pretty much and I was thinking about one of the defensive plays I was looking through our notes and I mean are we looks like we're getting into the sort of the play by play at the 60th minute there was a uh, 60th yeah there was this fantastic I know it's in the second half but there was this fantastic play by Mavinga where he slide tackles I don't remember who oh Morales, Morales. Yeah. slide tackles Morales from behind and um, it was clean which usually an Argentinian would go down for, right? So you're like just dreading as you're seeing him slide. You're going, fuck, this is going to be a call, right? Mm-hmm. And it was clean. The, the, um, the ball comes loose. It gets, gets across, and Bradley actually tips it away from Villa. Like, Villa was, like, striking to get that. Like, that was one of the few times that you see Villa threatening. And both, I mean, just together, the, the way they work together, just seeing how that uh, was unhandered. 
that was an example of I feel like how the teams were playing both sides of the game, right? Both offensive and defensive. Right. But that was the one highlight for us, I think, in terms of a defensive play. Yeah, but uh, it, the first half, and we were I mean, we were noting that Mavinka was having a great game. So was Edwards. Yes, Raheem Edwards. When he uh, came in, when he came in yeah, for a last, he, he pretty much played the whole game. He just he got subbed in at the 15th minute mark, right? Correct. So he, he pretty much uh, had a fantastic game and scored a goal and and had some great defensive plays. And anyway, he was pretty much a star for the defensive side too. Yeah, and, and you mentioned like the, your description of, the, of that first, maybe that's, we could well, we could say the first half, yeah, even though it was a goal for us, was it was a, it did feel like it was a chess match. Um, and it did feel like... It's, it felt cagey. I mean, you're just looking back and forth and not that they were... But it wasn't like last week, they, right? Like the, in that regard. No, it was the game wasn't slow actually. The game was pretty fast and you were watching it being played. I noticed that the game was very fast up until the 30th minute mark, and then I felt like the heat was starting to become a factor, and um, and we couldn't tell because of the because of the roof. So as much as we griped about the roof because like it you know impeded the the home games this year and or last year or last year and 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 also you know we only think of it for the rain. You were talking about like how. You know, this was like a also sheltering from the sun, right? Yeah. So we didn't really feel it where we were. Like right until the end, that's where the sun started creeping. It was right in front of our feet. And uh, so we couldn't really tell, but I could, you could see like players going down in the second half from de- from they were cramping, right? So yeah. that's de- that's obviously a dehydration injury. Um, they were all starting to, their muscles were all starting to tense up and seize. Like it was just, uh, it was kind of a factor in the, today's game. And We'll see how many of them got injured because, like, I felt like there was five injuries on our team this year, this week. Yeah. In this game, so I'm not sure who's going to be left standing for next week's game. Sure, but Which, if we, if we go- even even this is if this is our starting eleven, kind of you know this is this is when you start getting into injury trouble. Right. If we if we circle back though to the, the first half though, the other thing I wanted to say though is you know if we, we when we describe that first half. Yeah. I know some people might, but like might not have found it that entertaining but I to be honest especially in the first until that first goal I was completely engaged in what was like, like you know what I mean because I always felt it was that, anybody's game yeah and I always like I, we, you said I said it and you said that I said it and it's always seemed like it was you know, it was the type of players that are out there that was just we we're just waiting for that perfect play or that perfect pass or I didn't think of that at the time thankfully knock on wood or that that one mistake that someone was going to make it kind of was that's what it came like it was so balanced in that regard but if we get to the goal that started it, and of course we've we've hinted about the discussion to come uh, and the player that the players that we're going to talk about. I mean, it was Jovinko, and that was perfect because this was for me coming into the game. What I wanted to t- talk about was like the the matchup of Jovinko against David Villa, and Jovinko comes into this play. It's it, it, he he gets the ball to him, and he faints and totally dupes Pirlo. So there's another little bit of irony in the yeah. play too, right? Like a guy that got all the minutes at Juventus and and, and Jovinko who struggled to, to cement his place on the team. And the roles are almost reversed of who the superstar is, right? And who's making the bigger influence in the games. And there's a subtleness, there's a subtle little thing in that because you see he gets the ball and he cuts left. And I was watching the replay over and over. And when he gets the ball, he, he faints. He almost faints a juke to his right. And... Pirlo bit on it and that's how he was able to cut to the left and the other incredible part is that is he struck it with his left foot and puts in a perfect curl and we got a t- I got a text from our, our friend Alex who was in the south end so he had the perfect behind the, the view 
behind the shot view of, of that, he was saying when that ball struck, it was going four yards out or four feet outside of goal. Before starting to curl. Before it curled in, and you watched, the, and it was just, you know, the keeper had no chance. Like it was, it was the perfect, it, it was the perfect strike. It arced left to right, but it also arced up to down, right? So it also was going over and then dropped. Um, so it had a double, cur- I guess it had a double spin on it uh, in terms of the way he struck it, which is like you usually strike strike it with your foot going over top of it, which is a hard ball to hit because um, you usually lose power that way, right? But it was, and it was from distance. So that, that's the last thing you want to do from distance. So I, I think, I think it shouldn't be overstated or understated how difficult of a shot this was. Yeah. Um, even though it was like the, the keeper was off the line, you just strike it in the back. There's a few things that, that were also required of that shot to make it go in, right? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic goal. And that was at around the 30, it was just after, I think it was around the 31st minute. That's when... Uh, yeah, I think I had 33. Yeah, somewhere in there. And that was Mike. like if I had, I had some overall thoughts on that. So, I, no, I just okay, want, I want to mention one other thing is that you were talking about this matchup between him and Pirlo and I was thinking it also represents a generation gap, right? So I feel like it's like the, the replacing of the guard. It's like the old versus the new, right? And... Uh, especially coming from the same team back in Italy, it's you, you're, that was also one of these interesting things. I yeah. was just thinking, this is this is also the genera- a generation gap thing scenario. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in terms of the league too, and it's, and it's funny because you talk about if we talk about this thing, this conversation about the best DPS, you know, this league has traditionally been, oh, you sign a DP when they're on the out of their career. Like they've done everything they can in Europe and they come here like sort of 33 to 37 yeah. Yeah. and Jovinko comes here at 27, right? He can't, if I'm not mistaken, in the prime of his career. That, that is something that was very, is I mean, completely unusual from the perspective of MLS, right? You don't see that so often. Or we hadn't until Jovinko came into the league. Yeah, but should be showcased because that's when, uh, I mean, if you can give fanfare to players who come here in their prime, maybe more will. Right. Instead of it being a dinosaur league, right? Yeah. My other, a couple of observations I had on that first half, and overall for the game, if I want, I wanted to talk about Bono, and I think he might, he got out of this game. I feel like a little bit lucky. Yeah. Because he he wasn't as sharp as we've seen him in some games this year, and against a team like this with players who can score, I think he kind of dodged the bullet. Well, just before that goal, he actually made a great save. But the thing is, he made a great save after giving the ball away straight up the middle. And it was the second of two balls that had gone up the middle, and they were sloppy passes. And it just was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, yeah. It just felt like, I, I don't know, it seemed like he was trying to maybe take some risks. Uh, I feel like maybe it was the tension of the game, which was like, it felt like it was like a very tight game. And people were, I, I felt like Bono was trying to cheat in terms of our offense in some ways, like give us an edge somehow with a, a risky pass, which neither paid off. Right. So. And the only the other, well, there's two things I mentioned in that first half that I was talking about was that, you know, there was a question of, there was a play, if I'm not mistaken, where Josie had a shot and it looked like it might have been a handball that got missed. And then the right at the end of the half that I thought was unusual was that it was pretty clear, of course, you noted the linesman was being blocked from it, that Sean Johnson stepped out of the 18 with the ball in his hand. His one foot stepped at 18, and it was sort of like, how did that get missed? And what's the right call on that? Sure. So I think that was probably the only one that was, I think that was probably one of the only calls that was missed in the game. A lot of people were complaining about the ref this time around. Uh, that handball that you're talking about, there was a couple of others. And we did get called for handballs. Um, there was one 
even in the, the first half with Moore, right. Uh, at the, right near the end where Pirlo gets uh, to shoot. And uh, it was at the 43rd minute. There, so it felt like, I, I think if you're a Toronto FC fan, you felt like the ref was not really in your favor and making calls for New York. You wanted to see New York go through on this. But I felt like the ref was actually... I, I think it wasn't all just handballs. It was like a few times where the players went down and were dispossessed, and I felt like those were 50-50 balls. Nobody actually had possession, and when the player went down, it wasn't really – it was just an accidental collision. So I felt like the ref made a lot of the right calls by allowing this game to play um, and get on with it because sometimes you get into the situation where some simulation happens and the ref makes the call, and then you realize, oh, you can play that side of the game. And by not play, by him not whistling that part of it, he he didn't entertain the idea of dropping, like dropping and falling and making and you know basically having the game stop and and then it becoming a turnover. Right? I only yeah. saw it once where there was a turnover, but I felt like it was a fair call. I, I, the only call that you, we were talking about was where the keeper from New York um, did step outside of the line, and the linesman was behind on the play and ran into it and couldn't see it so and the, the and the goalkeeper had jumped back into the, the thing so that's why it wasn't called and the ref actually was in a better position to call it but i don't think he was watching exactly everything on that play and didn't see it enough so yeah he was looking to the linesman the linesman didn't raise the flag the play never got called that yeah. was probably the only mistake i didn't feel he was a terrible ref and probably the only one in the stadium that felt that way well i also think if you keep in perspective last week's game you know yeah. the, the, yeah. the performance last week, and of course the performance in New York City. I think we probably, if we compare, if we were doing a comparison, this isn't this isn't the game really to complain too much about. Yeah. If we look in the second half, Steve, uh, you know, my only observation before we get into the sort of the breakout of the game was that I did, I honestly, the first half, and this is maybe we'll get ready to segue into this little sidebar, was that the first half. I mean, I couldn't say too much about David Villa other than like one or two instances, and then the second half. Right out of the gate, I thought, oh, he's looking a little more lively. And maybe they are actually going to make a more active effort to get him more involved because he really wasn't that involved. And maybe that leads me to Jovinko's goal and then this overall discussion in terms of like these two players because... Well, at the 55th, I was just, there was one play that in particular where Villa does do a strong play. He, he, uh, There's a, a long ball that gets uh, like right on the carpet that goes through to him and he makes this overlapping run beats everybody because of the run he's like paying attention to the, to the pass yeah he's and 1v1 with Zavaleta he comes down collects the ball yeah he's 1v1 with Zavaleta Zavaleta gets a foot in he gets around him but I think it was um, I, th- I can't remember who was in the middle it might have been Moore who just uh, shut him down and I, and I felt and I felt like all of a sudden I saw three players from Toronto FC close this down and they were kind of paying attention to it so even though they were they got through on a beautiful diagonal pass they sort of closed it down, and I just felt like we were paying attention both ways, defensively and offensively. I don't think we gave up. And there was another uh, play that came, I think it was in maybe in the first half, where there was a New York uh, counterattack, and it was we were pressing. Um, every one of our DPs had a sh- chance at it. It was uh, Javinko first, then Altidore gets a second chance, and then the ball comes back out to Bradley. Bradley comes in. So that when oh, yeah, Bradley yeah, yeah, yeah. comes in, that kind of leaves us exposed because he's like the deep playing midfield. And New York counterattacks, and our defense did an amazing job of closing it down. I just felt like it, it went out to Morales. Morales yeah. put it into Villa. 
it's exactly the way a counterattack should work, and we just shut it down. And I just and against some of the what might be considered our weaker players, even though they're not we- our weaker players, they're just not the showcase players. They did a fantastic job, and yep. I just thought that's where I felt uh, kind of confident when that in that first half when that counterattack got dispossessed. I thought, man, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is sort of. This is the game. This is probably this is probably the game of the season. Yeah, and if we look, if we get to what was it? It was a 66 minute. Although it had some there's some notes in, leading up to that. I mean, you know, Jovinko had that side left side foot that just went off on the 52 second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you know, um, Edwards at, at 59. I noted that Edwards was looking great. He's like dispossessing players in one v ones. 59. Bono makes the great save against David Villa. And the 60th minute was the great play by Mavinga. Where yeah. we're, so at around the 59, 60 minutes, I started saying Super to myself, exciting. That was like that was. New the, York was like about to get back in the game, right? Like they were looking like they yeah. were going to tie it up. It, it didn't look like we were about to break away. That's for sure. Um, and that 63rd, we saw Morrow goes in for Hagelin. So things change up. And Edwards now moves to the left side. Which is his comfortable side. Yeah, right? and, and Hagelin goes to the right. And then at the 67th is when we get this free kick from Jovinko. And... There's a couple things. First, we talk about this when, if we get into this little sidebar, is that Jovinko obviously scores an incredible free kick that goes from right, you know, he scores it on the right side of goal when set up on the right side of goal. So that's. Which is interesting because it's like score from the left, score from the right. Yeah. I can score from anywhere. Yeah. And that's a harder, you know what I mean? It's like it's easier if I'm a right footed guy to shoot from the left side, right? Because you have the bend. Yeah. That way. Yeah. But on the other side, you're pending on the outside of the goal to come back in, and he scores it on the short side. I mean, that's just phenomenal to me. For sure. The free kick but it, yes. is a record. Yes. So that's also something that's interesting and important. Yes. Right? So uh, if I'm not mistaken, he is now... I can't remember if it's direct kicks count or what it is, but essentially he's got 10 free kick goals, which, I, if I'm not mistaken, he surpasses Jeff Lerwinowitz and Javier Morales from Real Salt Lake. Um, they both, I think, were on nine, and now and now Jovinko's on ten. And, you and, said, and, and he's done it in two and a half seasons. Yeah, so and those guys have been, Javier Morales has been in the league since, I think, 2009. So that's... And Lorena was since 2003 or something like that. So they've had many more years. And then it's also his 50th MLS goal. If I, if I heard if I read that correctly and then we talk about that so type of goal so there's a bunch of record records just that he, one goal yes and and then we have this absurd discussion if you ask me that David Villa is the best DP of all time yeah I, it's just and, and you look at last year I know we didn't we kind of talked about it but I'm, I'm rehashing it where it was like you know the Jovinko wasn't even a candidate for the MVP last season it, like, it seems like it seems like he got disqualified because he won the year before and I feel like they're just trying to share this award, which is a ridiculous way to award the award, right? Yeah. So it's just not fair. Yeah. And then you look at, I also like think of today because there's been, there and, has and, been. And is also why I think he was greeted in the stadium this year when with MVP, right? Everyone was saying you should have been MVP. Everyone was screaming MVP as soon as they announced his name. And the reason why is because they felt there was an injustice. I feel like that's what that's, that statement was saying, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, and you look at, so if we look at these, you know, I want to look at these two players, you know, especially on a game like today, I think is, it's it's a good comparison because in a, in a key matchup, marquee thing between two teams, and we look at, again, last year's playoffs, I mean, David Villa does nothing. 
in the playoffs and then against each like he's done nothing against us every time we well I shouldn't say that obviously last time they played in New York he scored a goal but of significance and, and when you look at Jovinka who has an influence in the game in many different facets whereas I feel like what Via really brings to the table is he's a poacher like he's just a dangerous guy who when he latches on to a play he can he can you can make a, one player look foolish and score, but not not to the degree I think that we've seen. He's not a well-rounded player. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I think. Uh, or he's not an all-round player. He's not an all-round player because I think uh, what we see from Javinko is that he goes on to set up. Uh, he, he winds up. He winds up get, setting up the next two goals, right? So he's not done yet. After he scores two goals, he's not finished, and he goes on to uh, both earn the. The, the free kick that Altidore gets kicked down on and then set up uh, Edwards afterwards and I'm just thinking this guy's a, he's not selfish and, well, here's, so, and he's a great player that's the other thing I wanted to say is that there's been some criticism leveled on this season that for me it's just honestly I think it's preposterous I know that people are like oh Jovinko he hogs the ball and he made a bad decision he got stripped and I kind of feel like he's a guy that's like look you have to this is the package we get with him and if you don't like that then you can't, you know what I mean? Like you have to understand that it's like, this is what this is what he is. So he's gonna make these plays. And yeah, sometimes he's gonna get turned over, but with that comes these glorious goals that we'd never seen. And we never will see. And then to add on to that, is that he could have been a complete hog and stood over that penalty spot and scored that goal. And what does he do? He gives it to Altidore. Yeah. Team player, right? Like Very he could have been player. about me. It could have been about Jovinko. It could have been all about me getting my hat trick. And yeah. that's what I think this season has been for him. When if you're going to criticize him, I think you have to also take into account that I think he's been a lot more selfless this season than he has in previous years. Even though he's got tons of assists all the time. And the the thing I want to the thing I want to deconstruct about this um, this thing about him being a hog, if if this is a, a real criticism, is that he's he's actually holding onto the ball. Uh, to be able to to make a play or create space so that he's not giving a ball when it's a dangerous like when he's in trouble so that it'll be a hospital ball pass and he's not trying to threaten somebody else he's not trying to put somebody else in danger with a with a crappy garbage get rid of the ball because I'm in danger kind of a pass he's actually you'll see him make a move and it'll throw the defense out of line because they they just are trying to figure out what just happened and then it creates all kinds of space and then he slots the, like the perfect ball through to somebody right and that's what you see from him i, I think <laughs> I, I don't even think it seems ridiculous to me that people make that kind of criticism if that's if that's out there yeah or that he makes he makes bad decisions because what he's trying to do is trying to make space really <laughs> it's it's and it's poetry in motion like yeah. it's visually stunning to watch yeah and it just to me it reads of like these head fakes and these little where where like this footwork does nobody remember like four years ago and before where like we couldn't like no one knew how to we didn't have players that could shoot the ball on goal yeah. from 20 yards out right yeah. we didn't have a player that could dribble around anyone or would even try to do it yeah i mean just the fact that we have that option these days is just to me i'm just i love it I love it. Like it's just because I, I, I'm every time, whether that happens or not, it doesn't matter because I'm I'm engaged, and it, when it happens, it's glorious. And when it doesn't, ah, oh, you know what I mean. Like 
ah, so you're disappointed, but it's like, don't worry, it's going to come back well, again. So I think we have had those players. I think of like Aduru, and I think oh, of, yeah, okay. I think of Yao Plata. I think of some of these players. Yeah, yeah, they were both. Plata uh, is a good example. You're they're right. both fantastic players with the, that, but they weren't the same. Like it's not the same character, the same quality. It's not uh, being selfless and seeing the play for what the play is. Right? It's like having the vision to see that your other players have a need to be worked into this game and also have a better chance at scoring. So give the ball up, right? Yeah. It's just like having an understanding and a vision for the game. Yep. And if I want, I want, one thing I wanted to say through that, the outro of the game was it was great to see Edwards get a goal. Fantastic, yeah. Um, he took it really well. Yeah. I mean, we've seen other players kind of take it in that position and hesitate, right? Or, or think, oh, maybe I'm going to pass it back into the middle of someone and hats off to him that he took it down and just struck it well yeah, and, and I think I think to like I, th- I think what we see is when those people hesitate they're sort of like shocked that they're in the position they are and Edwards was just like he ran with it he was just like I'm just going to go through with this right I'm just going to follow this play through and it was great great and, to see and because that's that's kind of what he was he's been billed as coming out of TFC2 was that he scored some great goals on TFC2 and was actually more of an attacking player than a defender right so yeah. for him to get in that position and make it count i think it's it sort of uh, lives up to his billing so as we finish but but, but that's the position that those that, i mean that's the, the way we have this lineup right we have when we play with five defense we're playing with two wing backs right and there are players that actually play as as wingers yeah most of the time right they just do a lot more running yep they have to play both ends so important question though at, yeah. as if game finishes um do we get two slices tomorrow because <laughs> four nil how so does you it work explain how this what is going on well it's like you if when toronto FC wins i think we win with two goals scored you get a free pizza slice tfc right. scores two goals and wins we get a pizza slice oh we scored four goals oh obviously we didn't well i guess i need to we, we, compl- we were complaining about that last week we almost didn't get a clean sheet that was the last That's little, true. the last little bit, because Delgado, we, you did sort of mention, but Delgado did get the handball on the box, and I was really frustrated with that because I said we did a lot of. I haven't mentioned this because I was talking about Moore's handball in the at the end of oh, the first half. Oh, I thought you mentioned Delgado. I didn't. We talked about this on the way here. That's why we think it's. That's why we think this is familiar. But okay. no, this is so at the end of the game, right? Should we do the build up? The uh, uh, the ball's getting crossed. It's going towards his head, his face, and the natural thing to do is stick your hand up. Like people were really pissed off at Delgado for because they thought it was intentional, but it's just a reaction, right? Yeah. He just stuck his hand in the way, right? He yeah. didn't want to get hit in the face, and I don't blame him for it. But man, everyone was pissed off at him because he was going to ruin the clean sheet. Morales comes, steps in to take the kick. You're thinking this is going to finish, right? He's going to finish this for sure, and he kicks it over. Luckily, right? Keeps us with a clean that was, sheet. It was a, that was a that was luck. That, and also, I got to say. A very um, is it unpassionate a word? I mean, like he took that penalty and just it looked like he didn't. Care. Honestly, like when he didn't score, he just kind of stood there and was like, "Well, yeah." It, it was not very convincing that he even wanted to be there. I just it was strange. Well, maybe I mean the mental game had been won at that point, right? Yeah, and it just felt they like, just felt defeated. I think that's what it came down to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we, you know, I, I would say Bono didn't have a great game but yet still lucky. comes out with a clean sheet and i think he can walk away and just say well that wasn't my best one but i you know at he the did. end of the day it looked like it looks good on paper and i'm just going to take it and he did have some key mark saves so yes. i shouldn't say take anything away from him because there was a few times when he just saved our bacon right so i think yeah you know it was a mix where it's like his hands didn't look great on a lot of those plays like there was a couple balls that he Patly the shots or whatever that he had to kind of juggle them a bit. I was like, oh, you're making me nervous. But where they did break through or have a chance on it, he he was there. Up. Yeah, there was like some. There was like a, I remember there was a straight on shot at him that he just was able to 
bring down. It was just, I don't know, there's a few things. All right. It wasn't and, terrible. And it, any, if we, as we wrap up these games as we normally do, Steve, any sights and sounds, anything that st- stood out for you? I just said, uh, between, I, I would say between last week and this week, it appears that everyone went home and practiced the national anthem. <laughs> we were much more in sync and in yep. unison. It was beautiful to see. I don't know if it was, oh, I forgot. I had the guy's name. Scott Newland. Yeah, you, how did, Scotty you write, Newland. did you write it down? No, I just remembered it. Good for you. Scott <laughs> Newland, is, he's the man. He really, he really. <laughs> he seems to, he seems to do the national anthem the best, I think. Yeah. And I was meant remarking that I think he should only get paid for one. <laughs> Considering he's not singing O Canada. Considering he's yeah. not singing O Canada. Yeah, he's only it's... keeping the first and last line in for us so yeah. that we know where the timing is. So and, he... and maybe because he didn't come in right in the middle to make it noticeable that the timing was off, maybe it did seem like we were... Maybe that helped yeah. with our timing. But I think we were pretty much online. Maybe there was less people there today than the solo crowd that they were reported to be. It's true. It seems uh, a yeah. lot of bl- a lot of empty seats. Yeah. So, uh, my just a quick note: everyone keep practicing for the twelfth. Um, I d- noticed that the South End was uh, <coughs> they did have a banner that they p- didn't put up. I think they put it up in their in the seats, right? Ca- what was it said, Captain? Lead us to oh, lead us to something to our legacy. Our champion. I can't. Shit. I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> anyway, they did. They did put up a sign, uh, like a big banner. It was a two. Might have been lead us to victory or something like that. Lead us to victory. I think. Yeah. Damn it. Something like that. And uh, an, an ode to Michael Bradley. So I don't know if that stuff has been sorted out between them and Tannenbaum, but maybe. Well, I'd say probably. Like, so you Enough so that their, their, their privileges are now reinstated. Whether that means they, they are in the good books of Tannenbaum or, or Manning, I But, s- but, s- but I, I felt like it. it was only one section that was really the supporter section. I, didn't, I felt like everyone else beside them in all the other areas weren't singing like supporters. So I feel like the supporter section has been reduced. I still feel like there's something going on. I feel like there's some danger happening <laughs> with this. Uh, like, yeah, it's just, I don't know, MLSC shooting themselves in the foot again. But you had some insight into what was going on from last week's with... Oh, yeah, after la- so after last week's podcast. Interesting enough, because if I just tie that back in, Steve, with the pitch... Yeah, I Looking would say terrible. I would say it didn't look... Like, after the warm-up, it looked pretty... Beat more, up. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen... We've seen TFC games kick off, and it's immaculate. Like, it looks like a premiership pitch. pitch. Yeah. And there was foot tracks everywhere. Yeah. And it's usually not like that, even after a warm-up. So, I only noticed know, it on the closest of the uh, sections where we were. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that ties into, obviously, there was an Argos game. And then, you know, you, that's part of what people are concerned about. So what's, what's obviously going on and what we will tie in quickly from last week was that, you know, the, the supporters have their no Argos at BMO thing. And, and what I wasn't super clear with, which I, because I don't really follow the Argos that much, is that, you know, one of the key owners or one of the owners, so MLSE is owned by Rogers Bell and Larry Tannenbaum. And Larry Tannenbaum owns a small portion of them, but he also is an owner of the Argos. So there's, a, there's sort of an in, indirect, direct relationship between the people who own TFC and the Argos through one of their owners. And, you know, he's obviously getting pissy that as an owner of one half and the other, they don't get they don't want them in their stadium, etc, etc. So he's putting pressure, I think, on the MLSE side of things to not have one of their entities openly say they don't want the Argos at the stadium because he feels like it's bringing them bad press or bad whatever. And, and Argos are struggling to get any kind of consistent attendance or support, you know, and, and I would say if... But, you, I, I, but, I, but I would 
I would doubt that it has anything to do with a banner that goes up in the stadium. It's got nothing to do with it. If because they, those if, two crowds don't meet. And this is the thing, is if and if Tannenbaum or the Argos, I mean, if they think, hey, moving stadiums is going to magically cure what's wrong with my team, or that a banner is, is part of what's, what our struggles are, that club is doomed. They are doomed from their leadership. Because, because that's the least of their problems. Yes, because, or... They ha- this ownership has no clue of how to identify what their problems are. Or they're right? just looking for a scapegoat. Yeah. Which or I they think can't, is more they can't the come to terms of what... The, or they either they don't know how to market their team, they don't know... They just... They don't know what they're doing is what it comes down to. If this, if this is what they think is what's going on, oh, we just need to move to BMO and we'll all of a sudden have 30,000... No, that's not what's going on. Oh, we're not getting people out because there's a no Argos at BMO banner on the south end? Sorry, guys. That's also not what's going on. So maybe you need to fucking get your head in your ass and figure it out. Yeah. And not blame a, a supporters group and then punish them. Yeah. And ruin the, the actual atmosphere. the actual successful the enthu- team the enthu- who's playing the, at the stadium. Yeah, the enthusiasm and the support, right? That's kind of ridiculous. Why would you shoot yourself in the foot? You don't even have to pay for that. That's so, the kind of marketing that uh, help, that pays tenfold and you haven't even done anything to build it other than build a team. Yeah. That's there's the the sort of catch up on that, but clearly they're they're um, supporter privileges were reinstated the flags were out they were doing great things i mean as the second half got going the stadium came alive south end had when we were up four nil i mean the south end was bumping yeah Uh, i mean they were all going in sync so that's i love it when that happens when everyone's starting to feel it it's loud anyways yeah um and you know i don't know what else uh what else to say about that? Did you have any other closing points, uh, observations from the game? No, that was it other than uh, I guess we should do the upcoming, what's coming up. Yeah. So. Next weekend's DC United. Um, I, I would say I'm going to be out of town because it's a long weekend, so I don't know if that game will necessarily get covered. But we do have another home game coming up after that. August 12th. Against Portland. Should be a good game. And then the following week against Chicago. So those are actually, those are actually, I mean, three good opponents that we need, that I mean, it's all. I always, I'm kind of say that all the time. But I mean, like DC is a division rival where there's, we can win that game even away, um, and there's got a lot of history against that team. Portland, just an exciting opponent that's got great support too, um, and a team that we should be able to beat at home. Um, that makes a good statement for us. And then you finish it off going away. It will not finish it off. We go to Chicago. We have Philadelphia, and then Montreal to round out the month. I mean, those are. Big games. And then especially Chicago because Chicago's had a breakout season. This is a great win for us too because we stay ahead of them in the table. Chicago's the team that's really pushing us hard. Um, New York's in the mix, but Chicago is is the other big team in the Eastern Conference. So they lost to Kansas City last night, which was good news for us. And the win today in the way that we did, I think keeps us in a, in a strong position to, to be in first place. Right. You never see, I mean, when, you, when they play each other, that'll sort of unsettle everything and it'll be interesting because obviously we beat Chicago 3-1 earlier in the year so what happens when we go to Chicago Mm. that's I'll be interested and Chicago when they came I mean they had a they kicked off the season looking good you know Schweinsteiger comes in there and I can't think of the striker's name he's a Hungarian guy was just getting his feet in and now they're humming so I'm interested to see if we caught them or if in fact we are the better team at that point of the year yeah as well. it'll sort of be sorted by then so uh, I think we'll leave it at that Steve because yep. we're at a great point of the podcast uh, as we say every week people know where to find you equalizing the start at 89.5 FM I knew that I would have said it but I just wanted to double check that you remembered um, <laughs> that I remember of course I remember <laughs> uh, Sunday nights at 10 
and the, tonight. Yeah, and you're uh, equalizing to start at blogspot.com. Yeah. If they want to catch archives. That's kind of where they can get in touch with you. Yep. Uh, everyone knows me. I'm at Clark RNO. Or you can tweet at Red Nation Online. Info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. We like the feedback. Getting some stuff on some people that I'm friends with. Obviously, Alex sends me texts now and then and some DMs on, on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, and we'll read it out loud. Uh, it's been a while since we got some emails, but that's okay. Keep in touch with us, guys. Um, we'll leave it at that. For sure, we'll be back on the 12th. Or I'll be back on the 12th. Steve, yeah. you might be too. Yep. Um, if something, if I can catch the game next weekend and sort of maybe do it on the Monday when I get back from the long weekend, we'll try. Otherwise, um, we'll leave it at that for now. Thanks for listening as always. We'll catch you guys next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online, From the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.